What's up, everybody? I'm Steph. And I'm Mari. We are two licensed professional counselors in the state of Wisconsin, and this is the Rewriting Her Story podcast, a mindset podcast for everyone. Here we'll discuss daily issues we face ourselves, struggles our clients are having, and ways to tackle everyday life, and whatever else comes up. We take a no-bullshit approach while still being empathetic and supportive. Let's Let's fucking fucking go. go. Go, go, go. No. We know it's in progress. Oh, we're aware. Yes. We're aware. Let's fucking get to it, guys. Bum bum bum. Bow, 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 bow. We're gonna and talk- another one. <laughs> another one. <laughs> Y'all, today's episode is coming to you hot. Even though it's probably gonna air like mid-May. Mm, June yeah. 1st. June 1st. Yeah. The one we just recorded will come out May 25th. Yeah. This Mm -hmm. is 63. Yes, ma'am. Well, uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard might (laughs) be a cold case by then, but you know what? We're going to fucking discuss this anyways. Not specifically them. We are going to discuss the difference between bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder. Both have been referred to as BPD. However, I will say I have never used BPD to describe bipolar disorder ever, ever in my life as a clinician in my, my personal, never never heard anybody in our field do that. No, no, I don't think people in our field as clinicians do that. I think people, lay people, if that's not an offensive term, I think lay people just means people who don't understand. People who aren't like in the field, right? Like they're not yeah. trained in it. So, so lay people refer to both as BPD, which mm-hmm. doesn't make any goddamn Because sense. they make acronyms for everything. They do. Stop <laughs> doing this. Or, or shorten things down, right? They just shorten it down. Stop doing that. The Stop. latest one I seen was like, if ASL means as hell, I'm I'm done here. And I was like, ASL, like American Sign Language? Like ASL mean a- as hell? Apparently. Wouldn't that be ash? <laughs> like like ash, as hell or ashel? Like what? Stop it! it. Be, uh. <laughs> 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 the fuck? Sometimes I just get so fucking irritated with America. Yes, <laughs> literally, yes. literally, Americans piss me off. Um, as well as myself, I'm included. I'm included. I'm not singling anyone out. Don't do that to us. So, BPD which is borderline personality disorder, which is how we might refer to that throughout this. We will always say bipolar, Mm -hmm. maybe not add the disorder on, but we'll say bipolar. So BPD is going to be the borderline personality disorder. It's just easier to say BPD instead of the fucking jumble of words that it Mm -hmm. is. So we're going to talk about the differences because I think a lot of people think, and I've heard from clients that a lot of people are kind of lumping them together and they are wildly different wildly different diagnoses yes are there similarities sure yes the primary 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 jesus christ similarity is what appears to be mood instability yes right but that's literally like the extent of it how many other diagnoses though in the dsm-5 are are labeled with mood instability Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, this is, this is why Steph and I harp so hard on the differences and, and, and seeing a mental health therapist and not, not going on social media or the internet or like trying to do all these things where you're like, 
to self-diagnose. I'm mm-hmm. just going to Google some symptoms and see what's going on. No, stop. Yep. Stop. Because literally depression, anxiety, ADHD, any of them can all have mood instability. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, stop doing that. Anyways, so we're going to talk about the differences. We can talk about, I guess, the similarity. We'll just kind of, we're not by any means, disclaimer, we are not doctors. We are not diagnosing you. We are not um, giving you symptomology so you can go and diagnose yourself. Or go I was going to say, doctor. we're not even going to provide you with the criteria for diagnostics because that's no. inappropriate. So for no. all people out there that are doing it, knock it off. Yes. And I will say that this was a, a episode that I wanted to do that was asked, uh, you know, requested of us mm-hmm. when I put a post out there and stuff was a little hesitant because of, of how people latch on to some certain symptomologies and just fucking run with it mm-hmm. when it's just you like, you have to see a trained professional. If you would like a diagnosis as maybe a jump off point of where to start treatment. Mm-hmm. By no means do I think getting a diagnosis is going to fix or cure you. It's all about you putting in the work on yourself, period, no matter what is going on with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's just say that. So Stephanie, you want to start with bipolar? You want to start with BPD? Um, it honestly doesn't matter. I mean, I think the primary, I think think bipolar is easier. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to put it flat out there. It's easier to start with. Sure. Because a lot of people are going to struggle with the fact that one is not within our control and one is potentially within our control. Sure. So let's start with bipolar disorder. So, okay. Stephanie. Yes. What's your take on bipolar disorder? Bipolar disorder for me, and I'm speaking, so this is what's interesting. I'm speaking from a clinical standpoint, but also I have a lot of, um, very close people in my life who suffer from bipolar disorder. So mm-hmm. I have seen it mm-hmm. firsthand, you know, as a member of a family, but then I've also seen it firsthand as a clinician. So I have a lot of different experiences with it. It is a marked change in your overall ability to function, right? Your presentation, how you are experiencing things, right? It's, it's, People often think that I, okay, let me get my thoughts together. Yep. What frustrates me sometimes is like, people will come in and be like, oh, my mom is so bipolar. Like that's hurtful. Yes. Right. People shifting in moods does not automatically mean they're bipolar. It doesn't automatically mean they have BPD. So let's stop like using that lingo because that's pretty detrimental to somebody who, who really truly does struggle with something like that. People have this assumption that it's like this rapid shift, right? Yes. Like you think yes. of like, um, like an earthquake meter and it's right. like up and down, up and down, up and yes. down. Right. I can wake up happy. And then, you know, in an yes. hour, I'm going to be upset. That's not bipolar guys. That's no. not bipolar. That is just emotional instability. Mm-hmm. That is not being, it's just not being able it, um, to have handle like distress tolerance or have frustration tolerance. You're not coping. Well, that's what mm-hmm. that is. It's not Bipolar, it doesn't mean that, you know, at 11 a.m. I'm happy and at 2 p.m. I'm pissed off. And then at 6 p.m. I'm okay. And then at Mm -hmm. 10 p.m. I kind of want the world to end. Like that's not what it is not that rapid of a shift. It's chunks of time, right? So it's it's days at a time or weeks at a time that you Mm -hmm. feel either manic or hypomanic, which is like an elated mood decreased need for sleep, those kinds of things, right? Where I like to describe it as like you're on top of the world. Yeah. Right. And then for another chunk of time, your fucking world is ending. And everything is terrible and it's a lot of despair, right? 
<clears throat> again, just like anything else, each person presents with their disorder differently. Yeah. Right. So one person's mania is going to look different than the next person's mania. It yes. doesn't make it any less valid, right? They just experience yes. things differently. Yes. And your mania, your mania, like, please understand your mania doesn't have to be like, I'm going to sell my house and go live as a gypsy living across the thing. But it could be like, you know what, these people don't treat me fairly at my job and I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to get a new one. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you don't have a job lined up and you Mm -hmm. just on a whim quit that. What are you talking about? So like, please understand that everybody is is going to look different. It's not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of not a lot of, there can be a lot of impulsive behaviors when it comes to bipolar disorder, right? So like being hypersexual, gambling a lot, spending a lot of money, being kind of reckless, kind of like reckless abandon, right? Where you just kind of like go fucking do shit because you're on top of the world. You're invincible. Nothing's going to happen. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. With bipolar disorder, and I'm not saying this has to happen for everybody, but in my experience as a clinician and as a family member, medication can save your life. Medication rectifies about 90% of those issues. It can save your life. Yes. It can bring you to a point of stability where you don't have to experience the highs and lows so severely and where you are, um, much more kind of in your body, right? Yes. A hallmark statement that I hear from people a lot that struggle with bipolar disorder. Once they get on meds is, Oh, I don't like to feel like this. I like the ups and downs Mm -hmm. because they're used to it. Yes. Right. Yes. However, when I've talked to them, when they're in a manic episode or a depressive episode, they fucking hate it. Mm-hmm. But once they're stable, they're like, well, I'm not used to this. So this feels weird. I don't like it. Or it's the opposite effect of like, Hey, I'm good now. I don't need these anymore. Yes. And then they get oh off my God. Yes. and then we spiral into an episode. Yep. I am not saying that you have to treat it with medication. I'm just saying that medication is a tool. I know people that don't take <clears throat> medication. And that is their choice and that is okay, but they better have a big ass fucking toolbox of coping skills. From. Yeah. Yes. During each of those episodes. 100% agree. And That's- I will even go, I will even move to a polarizing statement of that. I would say most everybody that I have met or had um, an interaction with, whether it's personal or as a clinician, I would say when I've seen them be or get on medications, it has been a drastic difference. It's a market difference. I would say that it's, it's, it's needed. It is Mm -hmm. needed. It is so needed, especially the other thing that I cannot advocate enough for is tracking your moods, Mm -hmm. whether it's weekly or not weekly. I have a client who I've seen for, for fucking ever. And we came to the determination that bipolar really was where we are at, which is kind of not normally seen when it's a teen, but definitely um, fit the bill 100%. And I would say that tracking moods has been her medication has 100% helped getting on the right medication, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have to figure out what works best for you, but then tracking moods to be able to successfully understand, even with the medication, there might be these highs and lows. You're still going to have dips. Yeah. Yeah, Just not not to the extent, not Mm -hmm. to the extent that maybe you've seen. So it's so helpful to know, like, dude, this is the dip. This mm-hmm. is the dip. It's going to be maybe about two weeks and then you're going to come right out of it. And, and just trust me when I say this, follow me, use your coping skills, use the tools, journal, you know, be around for do the things that we've talked about. And when you come out of it, we're going to be able to see that that's what that was. And I will say that has made 
literally all the difference in the world to be able to to say like it's not taking away the validity of what this person is experiencing of what they're understanding what what they're going through it's just like now sometimes it helps when people are like okay i have a root cause or i have a pinpoint yeah. of like okay i know this is my dip and this isn't just me you know um in air quotes being dramatic or, or mm -hmm. blowing things out of proportion no these are real feelings that you're feeling and they're valid you're okay it's it's here and it's real let's also recognize that the severity of it though is is what's what's caused by the disorder that you're experiencing mm -hmm. in my personal experience not with myself obviously but with a family mm -hmm. member um when he was not medicated he was self-medicating with drugs Oof, yeah that just yeah. continued to get yep. worse and worse and worse and worse yes right yes. so depending on the drug you're either going to be more debilitated and not functioning and not getting off the couch or you're going to be fucking on cloud 37 and running yeah. all over the world right yeah and yeah. drugs are not helpful for bipolar no. disorder so nope i'm gonna tell there. you no right now drugs are not helpful period i get yeah. if you want to do whatever you want to do with it but i'm just gonna let you know right now if you have if you are struggling with anything mental health related whether it's just be like you know what sometimes life is overwhelming and i'm a little sad i'm gonna tell you right now drugs not gonna help you not gonna help you mm -hmm. because it's just numbing out it's just numbing out what the problem is you're not dealing with the problem you're putting a band-aid on it you're putting a band-aid on a bullet hole that is just a gaping wound that you need to address mm -hmm. yep what is interesting is that and i've had this happen in the past it was actually when we were working at the hospital um i think it not i think sometimes what we <laughs> think is bipolar disorder is actually bpd Yes. Because of the market instability. Right. Yep. And if we don't have a clear picture, we're not seeing them consistently to know, or they're not able to track things, right? Like things happen. Diagnoses aren't static, right? Like no, they can yeah. even change when it's a correct diagnosis, yes. right? Depending yes. on how you're presenting and kind of what you're going through and all the things. Absolutely. And I think sometimes people don't understand that. Um, I think there's stigma associated with both disorders, unfortunately. Oh, absolutely. Nobody absolutely. necessarily wants to be diagnosed with either one of them. I think in my personal opinion, there is a harsher stigma related to BPD than there is bipolar disorder. I will say in the past 10 years, absolutely. I will say before that, prior to that bipolar disorder, I, from what I saw, a lot of the times felt like a death sentence. Yes. People were terrified right. of it. Right? right. Because like, I'm going to have to take medication the rest of my life. I'm not yep. going to be blah, 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 like just spiraled. Right. When in reality, yep. like once you start to track your moods and understand what these lows are and understand where they're coming from and understand, you know, the, the, um, the starting point of them and maybe the ending point and understanding what's coming in between, it makes it a bit more feasible to deal with. I'm not going to say easy. It's not easy to deal with rapidly shifting moods or, or, you know, weekly moods or whatever that mm -hmm. looks like. It's not easy, but like with medication, you, man, things can level out way easier. You just also mm -hmm. have to understand and adapt different coping skills, but the same could be said about somebody who has depression and anxiety. You can mm -hmm. take medications all you want, but if you don't have active fit coping skills that are really servicing you, then yeah, I mean, it's going to be unstable. Mm -hmm. I would say nowadays, there is a very polarizing effect when, when it with, with BPD, I will, I would say that there's, there's a lot of people who pretend who have it or potentially have it <coughs> who are like, um, let me say this before I go into that. Let me preface this personality disorders are, I think a hard pill to swallow. Sure. 
because it is not necessarily that there's this chemical imbalance in your brain. It is that this personality disorder is how you have learned to cope with events in your life or how you were raised or what has gone on to get your needs met. Mm -hmm. And it's not always pretty right? It's not, it's, it's personality disorders are what they are. They're nasty and they are part of your personality because it's how you've learned how to cope with the situation that you grew up in or are, or are in, um, and how you've learned how to get your needs met. And so BPD really stems out of this fear of real or imagined fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of instability in relationships, whether it's intimate, whether it's work related, whether, I mean, it doesn't, it's not like it just stops anywhere. It's just any type of relationship, right? So BPD then has kind of this nasty stigma with it, where it's that um, these people are crazy. They don't know how to handle themselves, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, it's just, I find a lot of the times, because I work with a lot of people who have BPD, um, because doing dialectical behavioral therapy is the two main modes of therapy that the the main mode of therapy that Steph and I both do um, works really well with challenging thoughts and perceptions, which is what you need to do with a a personality disorder to help people um, learn how to cope with having a personality disorder, Mm -hmm. right? I don't necessarily think that anybody's cured from something, you can learn to reform the way that you're thinking, which will in turn help the symptomology of the personality disorder. But so being able to do DBT, we've seen a lot of people with personality disorders because the creator of DBT had a personality disorder and had BPD and thinks that this was the best way to treat it. And I would absolutely agree. I think that there's a lot of really good useful skills and tools that you can use, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of clinicians in our field, I won't say a lot, I would say I have come across um, in my history of working that I've noticed that therapists, some of my fellow clinicians are very um, timid about bringing up the fact that people potentially have a personality disorder. That's maybe what they're teasing out for the diagnoses. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people skirt around it or maybe don't bring it up or talk about it or address it because you're dealing with somebody's personality. And that's a hard thing to swallow, right? If somebody's saying like, Hey, your personality has, um, some pretty poor coping skills or some behaviors that might be really manipulative or whatnot. Like that's asking that person to, to really dive in and look at themselves. And like, that's hard in general, getting somebody to do in therapy, yeah. but when you're coming out and you're like, no, that's your diagnosis. Like that's a really difficult thing to deal with. Um, <clears throat> so I think that too is another issue in our field is like one, people aren't addressing it, but then two, when you're dealing with a personality disorder, it's just, you're attempting to teach people how to undo how they've learned to cope with their life. And that, I mean, see the world. Yeah. That could be years, years of I've, I've operated this way since I was seven. And that's, that's how I learned to survive. And you're telling me now that this is an inappropriate way. When, when, when I was seven and I went through all this trauma and I'm 30 something now, you're telling me that that's wrong quote, you know, but it's like, no, but it is, it's not like, you're not wrong, but like those behaviors are really pretty terrible. So we're going to change them. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Have you ever had a client try to figure out other things that are wrong with them after you told them that they have BPD? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they do that yeah. kind of their own research of like, actually, I think it's this. Mm-hmm. The denial phase, but I kind of look at it like the, you know, um, 
I don't know, Kubler Ross's, but I don't think it's Kubler. I think it's like a, the accent on it, but in my mind, it's Kubler because it's K U B L E R mm-hmm. Ross's five stages of death and dying. I think that applies to, to many, many things in life, not just death and dying of that, you know, bargaining, acceptance, denial, blah, 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 blah. Definitely. I definitely think that people go through that once they get handed down some of these diagnoses that maybe are going to be I don't want to say around for their whole life, depending. There's some diagnoses that yes, are around for your whole life and it just is what it is. But like, there's going to be things that are around for a while. And I think there's the struggle with that permanency of that, of like, well, this can't, it can't, it can't be, it can't be. I function my whole entire life and you're telling me this is what's going I can't, no, that's not it. And it's like, well, it is though, (laughs) whether you want to believe it or not. Sure. And I had a client where that happened and they were like, well, I think it's just my attachment style. And I was like, well, if you read further on that attachment style, it actually says this can lead to BPD. Yeah. And I think you crossed that line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did it myself. myself. I did it. Yeah. I did it myself. Thank Thank you. you. I'm not one to talk about masterpieces before they're finished, but I, I, so uh, this topic got brought up, right? I wanted to talk about the differences between BPD and bipolar disorder and wanted to talk about how to handle somebody with bipolar disorder. If there's somebody in your life who, um, not bipolar disorder, the specific question was somebody who has BPD in, in your life and how to handle them or how to, you know, maneuver around it. So realistically, again, there's similarities between them, but I would say that somebody with BPD there is going to be rapid shifts in mood, um, depending on how their perception is of that relationship with that person, whether it's work, whether it's friendship, whether it's intimate. Um, and so it's going to be like a lot of, if the relationship is in turmoil, it's going to be a lot of grasping at straws to attempt to save that relationship. And it's going to meet the, it's going to be manipulative, right? It's, so it's, it's not a push pull relationship. Yes, it's yes. A, I'm going to push, push you, you away to here. see how much I really yes. mean to you. And we're going to play this game back and forth until you yes. really fucking prove to me that you want me in your life. And the other scary caveat to that, and this, I am not making a blanket statement by any means about BPD. However, more times than not, there are some sort of safety concern, whether it be that this person is engaging in self-harm or they are threatening to kill themselves, or they have attempted to kill themselves. That is part of BPD again. Well, I'll say this was to- yeah, full honesty stuff. Everybody that I have dealt with as a clinician who has had BPD has always had safety safety concerns. That is not a black and white statement. Yeah. That is not me making generalizations. I can literally say with full confidence when I was thinking about this episode, every single person who I have dealt with who has BPD has had safety concerns. And it's because the emo- the emotional turmoil is so intense. They don't want to continue to feel that way, right? They need to do something else. They need to feel something else. That's where self-harm comes into play. I need to physically feel it. I don't want to emotionally feel this way anymore. I am not excusing self-harm as an appropriate behavior by any means. I'm just explaining to you what I've had in my own experience of working with people. Yeah. Um, The other aspect to remember as far as differences go is that bipolar disorder is biological. BPD is psychological. Mm -hmm. There, that's a huge difference. Huge right? Huge difference. There's a huge difference in how your biological body operates and what happens inside of it versus how your psyche operates. Does that make sense? Like how I'm explaining 100% makes sense to me. Yes. There's a difference between the way that your brain is taking in and perceiving and internalizing information 
versus the way that bio, like it, colorblind people, like how like, shit's firing, like colorblind people. That is a biological thing. That is not a made up thing. Whereas like, if I'm going to look at a color and be like, Oh, it's salmon. And someone's like, it's coral. And we're going back and forth about it. That's our interpretation of this color. Whereas yes. a colorblind person is like, it's a shade of gray to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure that it could be a lighter shade, could be a, a deeper shade. Of yeah. Coral. Like they, you know, it's, it's, it is, um, out of their control, mm-hmm. which Versus- is also why medication works for bipolar disorder. You cannot medicate a personality disorder. Unfortunately, can sure. you medicate symptomology? Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. But it, it's inherent. It's your personality. Yes. That is your personality, who you are and how you function. Medication will not change no. the way you think about no. things. No, no. I'm not going to go take medication and suddenly become a more bubbly person. Yes. I'm not going to take medication and suddenly become a, you know, more stoic, you know, into, you know, um, have these interceptive looks at things like that's not going to happen. No. But am I, am I going to be medicated instead of being like, you know, what, I'm going to sell my house and move to the desert and live at Coachella or live at Burning Man, like, or whatever the fuck that one is it Burning Man? The one where there's like, in California, I know that Coachella is California, but it, that's more fun and like bubbly festival vibes. Burning Man is more like to me, it's like people are in the desert and it's like Blue Man Group, but for the desert in my mind, like that's how I associate it, right? Like it's it's wild, like they're literally in the middle of nowhere, like yeah. and I'm, I don't know, it looks like Mad Max to me or Fury, yes. Mad, Mad Max Fury Road, yeah, yeah, it looks like that to me. I'm like, are you guys okay? Like, is there enough water out there? <laughs> but can medication some. help like impulsivity or anxiety as sure. far as symptomology? Sure. Sure. But nothing's going to change the way you perceive information until you decide to make that change. Exactly. I can absolutely take medication to be a less impulsive person. That medication is not going to stop me from thinking because my boyfriend sighed a certain way, he's mm-hmm. fucking upset with me. Yeah. And because he's upset with me, you know what? I'm actually upset with you. And <laughs> I'm actually dead to know, me. You know what? You know what? I don't like your tone and your attitude. And it's like, bro, I breathed. Uh-huh. I, I literally took a deep breath. That's all I did. And no part of me, I wasn't even, I didn't even know you were in the room. Like, so it's, it's all about your internalization and perception of the world around you. Right. And mm-hmm. again, again, we are not faulting anyone for having BPD. Right. It served a purpose to get you where you are today, to get you through whatever situation you were in, to help you function. Here's the thing, though. You're not in that situation anymore. You are responsible for the way that you are internalizing and taking in situations and perceptions. And that's why therapy is so fucking important. It's, excuse me, so important. It's, it is necessary for you to do that thought work and work on challenging this real or perceived fear of abandonment. You have to then start to understand that you are safe within yourself. You can meet your own needs. You can build off of that and you don't need other people to do this back and forth with you. I can also say, and I know that you've had this too, that as a clinician, mm-hmm. I have been quote unquote fired by people with BPD because they didn't like what I had to say. Or they stopped coming because I challenged them a, per- a perception or a thought pattern because I'm trying to get them to understand that's a cognitive error or that is not 
what's actually happening. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach you these skills and it's uncomfortable for you. And that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay that you feel uncomfortable. What I'm not going to do though, is I'm not going to be a lazy ass clinician. Mm -hmm. Who's not going to bring up the fact that I see these patterns and these instabilities in your relationships. And I'm not going to call attention to it. You can fire me. You can let me go. You can never fucking come back. That is completely okay. I signed up for this job to do a service to helping people and it's not helping anybody. Me just fucking blatantly ignoring the, some of the shitty behavior patterns that are going on. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like the way that I say it, you know what? I am so fucking open to being like, Mari, that didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the way that you phrased that. You know what? Okay. Understood. I'll come with a less direct approach. I will be more validating. I'll be more supportive at the end of the day. We're still going to get to the root of the problem. And if you don't want to get to the root of the problem, you're not ready yet. That's okay. That doesn't say shit about me as a clinician. It says a lot about you. And that's what I was going to say. Ineffective ways of coping. If you are not ready or you have no desire to change, I'm not going to kill myself no. trying to convince you. No, I'm change. not. The, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I I'm won't not. do that. And I'm no. not going to placate you either. Cause that's not no. helpful. Like Marie just said, that's not no. helpful. But if you are at a spot where you're like, this still works for me, I don't want to change. Okay. Point heard. Right. Then don't come to the, I'm not your person, which is exactly why that first session I have with people, I preface, I am an action therapist. I am not somebody you're going to come to and bitch about your life. I understand that you may need that. And that is completely okay. There is no right or wrong way to do therapy. I know what type of client works best for me. And I know what type of therapist I am. Mm -hmm. I am not for everybody. I am not a fucking like catch all be all. I am. uh -uh, That is not me. I have a very specific skill set that I love to give to people. And I love to focus in on, and I'm not going to continue. You came here to change. Mm -hmm. I want to help you change. I took a vow. I took an ethics vow that I will do my due diligence to help people change and I will do no harm. You know, it's fucking harmful turning a blind eye and letting people be the way that they are when it's fucking ruining their lives. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So yes, I've absolutely been fired. I'm sure people take words out of context, say whatever, but I can't change that. I can't change your internalization of what I'm trying to teach you unless you come to me and ask me like, Hey, you know, this is what I got out of it. This was my perception. What are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that wasn't my intention. Here's blah, 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 blah. But like, or yeah, it was my intention to make you think. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What did that bring up for you? What did that stir up for you? And again, DBT is more than just talk therapy. You have to do the work. Mm -hmm. There's so much work behind DBT. It's kind mm -hmm. of unreal, right? We don't even teach all of it because there's so much. Literally, I don't do half the things that are yeah. taught for like the intensive aspect of DBT, just because that's not to me what outpatient therapy is. No. It's intensive, like general cards and checking things and safety check-ins and all of that. Like, I understand that that's needed and it's absolutely necessary in some of the different levels of therapy. I was say in a higher level of care. Absolutely. But outpatient therapy to me is not what that is for. Mm -hmm. So realistically, uh, one of the questions too, was like, how do you handle or deal with somebody who you think might be exhibiting some of these, um, characteristics or displays. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I think it. I want to preface it saying that I think it's a dangerous game to potentially, um, self-diagnose or think that somebody has these characteristics or symptomologies that they're fitting into this certain diagnosis. Because again, a lot of symptomologies for different diagnoses span across the board. A lot of things that shows up for BPD also falls into trauma. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of things you can't make a, a, a 
uh, solid, like this person has BPD characteristics and how do I deal with them? If this person has a set diagnosis of BPD, I think being very clear and intentional with your words and being able to have open, honest conversations is imperative. It's one, it's so important to challenge perceptions, to offer that open, vulnerable space for that person and to say like, hey, if I say something, if I'm saying something and you hear it a certain way, I, I need you to say like, hey, I internalized it like this, or hey, this is what I heard. Well, you know, mm -hmm. what did you mean by that? The caveat is though, this is resting on hoping that that person is going to come and be open and vulnerable to, with you and have that discussion. You can't control that. Mm -hmm. So realistically, like you can do all that's in your power to make a comfortable, safe, vulnerable environment. The other person has to step into that vulnerability. And with BPD, that's extremely hard for people to do. Mm -hmm. They I'm fear rejection. Saying, yeah, I'm lot. not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying. It's extremely hard. There's actually a book that I have. Actually, mm -hmm. I think I borrowed it to a client and never got it back, which is really <laughs> frustrating. But it's actually called Loving Someone with BPD. And it is for partners, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to read and understand kind of where they're coming from. And it's not asking the partner to undo anything or do the work themselves. Right. It's just giving you a better understanding of what it's like to be with somebody who has BPD because it's written from different people's perspectives who have it. Mm -hmm. I think also the, um, the book walking on eggshells. Yes. Yeah. That was yep. also a good one for, um, dealing with somebody with BPD. What was the other one called? I think it's called don't walk on eggshells. Isn't it? Maybe, maybe I just know another eggshells one that I liked title. more because I felt like don't walk on eggshells was kind of boring. I read it in like 2010. I'll take your word for it because I never read it. I just know that it was something that was helpful. Yeah. Uh, was there like was another one that I really liked and now it's going to piss me off. Um, I can't open an internet browser cause we'll freeze. So I'll look, <laughs> but why they say don't walk on eggshells is because when you are around somebody who has BPD, you often feel like you're walking on eggshells because anything I say could set them off. And that's the marked difference in the mood instability is that it's mm. a quick rapid fire mood shift when something does not go their way or is perceived in a way that they feel is appropriate. Nope. So it's fast. Mm-hmm. And then people are left like, what just happened? I don't even know what happened. Right. right? right. And so you often feel like, that. well, I don't want to upset them. I don't want to fucking shake the water. So I'm just going to like not say anything. Yeah, you, gonna, literally, you, know. you literally fall into this fond response, this passivity of being like, you know what? It's okay. It's fine. And you're pushing yourself to the side. And so then you're just reiterating in your head that you're one, your intuition is off. It doesn't matter. You don't need to listen to yourself. And then it's just setting the tone of like, I don't need to get my needs met. It's okay. So then you're learning that as a partner and that that's with any personality disorder. Let's be very, very, very clear here because there's histrionic, there's BPD. So the borderline personality disorder, narcissistic, antisocial personality disorder, probably more. That's all cluster B, I believe. Okay. I don't know what cluster A is. The other one is I hate you, don't leave me. Oh, and we, it's that is about the push pull. The yeah. first one I opened up, it says, good morning, monster. What? <laughs> What's that about? Could you imagine being like, no, honey, I'm just reading this book to understand you better. Good morning. It's like a Friday. Good morning, my little monster. Like what? Good morning, monster. A therapist shares five heroic stories of emotional recovery. Gross. I was just going to say, I don't agree with that already. <laughs> I, don't, so. I really so think there could have been that. a better, better title than that. Yeah. I might as well said good morning, psychopath. Like, I mean, come on now. 
That's right. Stop walking on eggshells is what the other one is called. Stop walking on eggshells. Okay. Oh, there's another one. Cleaning up your mental mess. What? I mean, I don't think you got to put it like that. A lot of internalization there. There's one called when your daughter has BPD. Oh, get me out of here. That was, um, that was a good one. Okay. But it says my recovery from BPD. Mm. Oh, <laughs> really I was going to, I was going to a little judgmental on that. I always okay. do. I, I think I have a bias there as a clinician of like, mm-hmm. I'm cured. Well, I mean, yeah. So I think the important aspect of being around somebody who has BPD, if you're in a relationship, whether it's intimate or a friendship, is just being very intentional with your words and also very vulnerable and advocating for yourself. I think that, sure, I mean, people might get upset at things that you say. I think that Steph and I have preached this since the moment we started this podcast. You're not responsible for how other people feel. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for your behaviors or your actions or statements that are said, but how those land and make people feel and how they internalize them, like you don't have control over that. Nope. I could come in and be like, Steph, your hair looks really good today. And Steph could be like, it doesn't look good any other day. Today's the day that you're going to say that it fucking looks like I'm not responsible for how she's internalizing that statement. There's yes. nothing I can do about that. I know my intentions behind the statement of saying X, XYZ. And I can make that known. I can say like, these were my intentions, but if somebody doesn't want to believe me, I'm not a fucking private investigator or a detective. I'm not going to get to the bottom of trying to make you believe what I said. Mm -hmm. I'm an adult. And I know, I know for myself, which is the only thing that I can control that I'm saying this as a factual statement that I believe versus trying to make you think something or like playing at some game or being manipulative. Yep. I think that's what also people struggle with. It's like, well, I don't want people to, you know, like, I don't want to be manipulated. I don't want to be this. Here's the thing that you might, you might get manipulated. You might be vulnerable and get hurt with somebody. We were talking about this on the last episode too, of like being in a, well, I don't want to be hurt in a relationship. But here's the thing you're going to be mm-hmm. the, 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 the thought process is, is the after effect. Mm-hmm. Something happens, a situation happens, take a step back, recognize what's happened, and then set a boundary going forward. That's what it is. That's all that it is. You cannot keep yourself from feeling what we term or deem as negative emotions. You can't. It's meant to be there. It is meant to be part of your life. You cannot keep yourself from that. Because if you numb out the negative, you're numbing out anything that could be positive that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. So- Hopefully this is a better understanding of what BPD is versus bipolar disorder. There's also two different classifications of bipolar disorder. Again, we're not really giving symptomology and going into it. Just again, if you think that you might be suffering from one or the other, going to see a therapist, going to get a neuropsych exam done. So anything like that is going to be extremely helpful for you um, to be able that to- doesn't have include that doesn't include taking online quizzes, by the uh, way. I'm no, gonna, no. I'll let you know that right no, now. No, I need you to talk to an actual person <laughs> for a couple of sessions, okay? Not the first one. I need you to have a couple of, I mean, and I'll say this, the person, the, the client who I'm very fond of, who I've had for forever, we didn't arrive at a bipolar diagnosis for years, mm-hmm. years. It took years of building and, you know, figuring out emotions and figuring out swings and figuring out these different things to understand what it was. So it, I, you're not going to see someone once and be like, yes, 
Mm-hmm. This is what I have. There's so much to unpack. And again, yep. the mental health is meant what it is. Like there's so many different symptomologies that wrap into everything mm-hmm. that it's just not this definitive answer. It's not this black and white decision. So know that. So again, if you think that there might be something going on, please see someone. If you're dealing with somebody who you think might have BPD, please go see someone. Mm-hmm they can help you with tools to be able to effectively communicate with that person or learn how to just effectively communicate in general. Sure. Um, which I feel like a lot of our world is lacking, period. So you can find us at Rewriting Her Story Podcast on Instagram. Steph is at SpookyFitMom13. I am at BEA underscore XO11. We are at Rewriting Her Story Podcast on YouTube and then Rewriting Her Story Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, topics you want covered, please, please, please send them. We would love to. We love answering um, the call to whatever people want us to talk about. I think the past seven have been requested topics. Um, And then I think we have one or two more that we need to record that have been requested topics from a Facebook post and and emails or things that we've gotten. Mm -hmm. So we love doing that. That means the world to us. So please let us know. Um, Yeah. I think I wrapped that up. Mm -hmm. That's all the things that I say on my usual spiel at the end. Yes. Anyways, we love you all until next time. Bye.